All right, good morning, everybody. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, <laughs> hey, it's really good to see you. Yeah, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, maybe we'll start there, okay? Um, if you don't know me, my name is Josh. I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Church on the Rock. I love what I get to do. Uh, my amazing wife up here on the front row. And we just became grandparents. I know that seems crazy. Um, that does seem crazy. People keep saying, oh my gosh, you're not old enough to be grandparents. And I'm like, that's true. You're right. We're not, but we are. Uh, and so Rob, let's just go to pictures. I know I'm out of order, but let's just go to pictures first since I've already been picked on. Uh, but this is Nova Rain right here, everybody. And that's, oh, go back one. Go back one for me if you would, bud. Uh, so this is, uh, this is mom and dad here. So Lauren and I's oldest daughter, Janelle, uh, who is turning 22 years old this year. Her and Jonathan have been married for a couple of years, uh, got pregnant, and this is the beauty of that. And then, yeah, you can move on to the next one if you want to. This is, of course, my wife and I with Nova right there. She's not so crazy cute. It's unbelievable. Um, and then the other picture I had was the one you already saw. Um, I just love how alert she looks uh, right there. And, that, and I, listen, I just, not all babies are cute when they're born. It's just true. Some of them look like aliens or something. Not Nova. She is flawless and beautiful in every way. And I just, yeah, it's true. And so I just want you to know that if that seems partial to you, if you're thinking like, I'm not sure that looks like an alien to me, I don't care if I'm partial. That is a perfect baby, and it doesn't matter what you think about it, okay? Um, no, we, super, we are super excited. I don't know. People keep asking me, like, how does it feel? And I'm like, I'm, I really don't know. I, it's still a little bit surreal uh, to, to me, anyway. I don't want to speak for you, but it's a little bit surreal to me that there's another generation behind. It's just crazy. I don't, I don't know, but it's super fun. Uh, a pastor that I listen to from time to time preach, he, he always says this, that grandchildren are, God, are they're God's reward to parents for not killing their real children. Um, <laughs> We'll find out if that's true or not. I don't know. Our, our kids are great, I think, but, uh, but this is a little bonus. So anyway, that was that. So yeah, so thank you. Um, everybody keeps asking me, what, what are they going to call you? What are they going to call you? I wanted to keep it simple. I wanted to keep it accurate, and I wanted to keep it true. So Nova will call me G because I'm a G. All right, and that's where we're going to leave it. All right? And that, <laughs> all right, there we go. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Before we get into the message and our, and our new series that's going to start the year, there are a couple of things I just want to mention, like some announcement type things. We have some really, really cool things going on in our church. Um, I would like to say it like this, that God is really, really moving in our church. Um, loads and loads of vision is going to be coming to you this year about where we are going, what God is calling us to, action steps we can take in participating in that vision. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me, et cetera? Lots and lots of that to come. Uh, but one of the things I just want to mention is this, that in our church, uh, we have kind of an emerging thing taking place. And I want to give it a little bit of a backdrop for you so that you can decide if you want to participate in this or not. But um, in our community, there are some colleges. I know that's true in a lot of places. But in our church over the years, so I've been, I've been pastoring our church for many years now, and over the years I've noticed this reality that college students come in and then college students sort of go out. And so we have, there's a, re, there's a dynamic reality to the college student life. 
And that is that they will only perhaps be in an area for a certain amount of time. And then when they are in there for that amount of time, then there's like heavy testing season and like study extra. And then of course, every holiday, they're going back home to hang with family or summertime. So they're going back to earn a little money, do some work, whatever it might be. And so what we've recognized, what I've seen, I'm just from my own experience, what I've seen is that it's been hard to help college students stick like here. And I think it's because we have yet to really have the right kind of touch points for them, okay, and, and the uniqueness of the way their world is while they're college students. Well, in our church, we have a, we have a few, there's several, but amazing people who are active college students, but also feel called by God to be a part of this church and have helped us to officially launch a young adults ministry, okay? So like it's, it's up, and, it, and it, yeah, it's great, it's great. And what I love is this, because I would go to, and I, and I need to be prompt, but I want to be thorough, um, I would go to these college students when I would see them, and I would say, like, oh, man, we're glad you're here. How'd you hear about us? And they were super complimentary of you. They were like, oh, man, the church is great. We love the church. We feel at home, et cetera, et cetera. They would say all these nice things, but they just didn't stick, and I think it's because we didn't quite have what they needed to stick to. But we have a couple of students who have just like been led by the Spirit of God to say, this is our calling here, is to help get this off the ground. Does that make sense? And so, so these college students, they typically sit like over here in this uh, area somewhere, but they, they just feel called by God to help us get it going. So they have piloted a group that was alive and well last year, was meeting together, and they ran into some, some complications that we are just trying to help them with. And here it is, okay? What they really need to be more successful, and I don't have, I don't have time to get into all the details, is a host home, like a home that they could gather at where they can meet together. And so we, we have assembled a interest meeting. If you say, well, that could be us, maybe our family could be that home where they gather together to have their meetings and prayer time, discipleship, and all of that stuff. Maybe God's calling you to be that home. And if, if that's you and you're like, well, maybe you don't know the answer and neither do we, we are going to have an interest meeting on January the 18th. It's going to be immediately following our prayer service next door at our campus where our kids meet. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have an interest meeting at 7 p.m. as soon as prayer service is over. We're going to tell you what does it look like, what would that mean for you, what, what are the, ex, there are real expectations. And so do, you might then say, yes, yes, or like, oh, no, that's not quite me. But if that's you, I just take a picture of that screen, write that down, be smart and memorize it because a lot of you are probably smarter than me. Just get that in your heart. I'm gonna mention this again next week and then we will see you at that interest meeting, January 18th, 7 p.m. next door in our facility. Sound good? If you got it, say, got it. Very good, very good. Um, and then here's the last thing that I wanna do before we get into the message. Is I just wanna say thank you. I know that sounds a little crazy, but I often say that there's a lot of people they love me more than they should, and that's true. And I think that you are a great representation of that. And so as we came through the Christmas uh, season, you guys are just so kind, thoughtful, generous. We had cards sent to us in the mail, gifts dropped off, gifts sent to the church, sent to our home, just... I, it, I know it sounds silly, but there's just a lot of you that were doing that, and it's 100% not necessary, 100% not expected, but I just, like, I feel, I feel bad that I can't just go to every single one of you and be like, you're awesome, that was very kind and thoughtful, thank you. So I just want to say, you're awesome, that was very kind and thoughtful, thank you. From, from Josh and Lauren, back to you, we just appreciate your kindness, love, and generosity toward us uh, during the Christmas season. It meant the world to us, so thank you, okay? You guys are awesome. Give it up for the person that gave a gift to their pastor. <laughs> Again, 
Not necessary, okay? It, but it is, it is thoughtful and appreciated. All right, if you're ready to get into God's word, turn to the person sitting to one side or the other and say, I can't wait. Tell them that. If you're nervous, if you're a little bit nervous about God's word, just turn to that same person and say, I'm gonna do my best. Go ahead, tell them. I'm gonna do, I'm just, I'm gonna do my best. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> That's all that we could ask of you. So we're, today we are going to start a brand new series of sermons, and this is mostly how we do it here at Church on the Rock. We tend to teach in larger topics over larger spans of time, and the reason that I like to do that is because I feel like it's easier for us to actually retain content and hold discipleship truths into our hearts in ways that they can be practically lived out. I just feel like it's easier when we talk about something for a longer period of time. If I just gave you 52 messages a year at random, I honestly don't think it would help you a whole lot. Now, I know the power of God is way beyond me, but I think that the, power, that the Spirit of God has led me to say, this is how I've kind of built you to teach. This is how I want you to preach to the church family. So we just do it in series ways. And so we're going to start a brand new sermon series today, and we're calling it Heart Check. Okay? And I don't, I don't know about you, but it's a good idea to, to have some checkups and to check your heart. Like, for example, when Nova was born on January the 1st, one of the very first things that was done was all of her vitals were checked. They checked her tiny, little, cute heart. And it's perfect. Remember what I said earlier? They checked that heart because it's a pretty important that the heart works. I think you'd agree. And then at, at different stages in your life. So I've, so I've got a friend who's tuning, on, tuning in online from Indiana. What's up to my people? I heard it was snowing there. Um, that that he's, he's young but has had a heart attack in his life. He's like a good friend of mine. Well, he, he takes like a specially sensitive care of his actual heart because of uh, family history and his experience and all that kind of stuff, right? Makes sense. And then, of course, as we get older, it only makes sense that we're going to go to the doctor and we're going to get those things checked out, right? I think you, I think you get it. I, I think if I over-elaborate, you're just going to roll your eyes. But we all could agree that it's a good idea to check the vital signs. If our heart is not healthy, and well, nothing else is going to work. Isn't that right? Well, the same is true in, in the spiritual. And so I want us to start our year a little bit uniquely today. And listen, warning, okay, warning. I, the, the message that I'm gonna present to you today is very, very pastoral. I'm gonna be very specifically trying to pastor you at Church on the Rock. So this might not work, this context might not work in another environment or with another people, but I'm just gonna do my best to be your pastor this morning. Does that sound good, everybody? And you, have the, you, you get to decide if I have that place or not. That's up to you, okay? I can't force that on you. But if you see me as your pastor, hear me as such. Can we do that? Yeah. So this year, what I would like for us to do is not go into our year with like resolution type thinking. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm losing X amount of pounds or I'm going back to the gym or, or you know, I'm gonna be a better parent or I'm saving money or whatever it is. And all of those things would be good things to do, especially if it matters to you. That's awesome, good for you. Like, so, so I'm not saying don't do it. What I wanna do though as a church family is I just wanna take a, a little bit of a unique approach and I wanna go into it just a little bit differently, okay? Like I would like it to be less about resolution and just a little bit more about revelation from the word. And I'm, here's where we're going to start, and this is going to sort of be the footing. It'll be the foundation verse of our series. It's Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23, and here's what it says. It says, guard your heart above all else, everything. Guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. 
everything you do flows from within, like your heart, right? The, the real you, all that stuff, like deep within there is a you. So like if, question really quickly, if, if I was to cut off your left arm, which would be horrible, but let's just say it happened, are you still you? Of course you are, of course you are. If it, if it was like Monty Python and your right arm, left arm, okay. Are you still you? Yes, well what makes you, you? It's the heart that the Bible's talking about. Like no matter what would happen to your exterior or your circumstance or your life or world or whatever, the heart that's being spoken about here, that's, that's you. That's who you are deep on the inside. That's who God created. Are you with me? And the Bible's saying you should protect that. You should guard that above all else. Like it's the most important thing because your entire life stems from in there. And I just don't know about you, but there are times that my heart gets in the wrong place. And when I do a heart check, I go, man, that needs to realign. That needs to, that needs to cure or improve or whatever. Cause you've probably heard me say this before. If you've ever been here before is that when we drift, we always drift in the wrong direction. All right. The only things that go away if you ignore them are your teeth. Okay. Everything else got to have some intentionality to have some improvement, your heart included. Amen. All right. So here's what we're gonna do. Today, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna show you where we're going over the next several weeks. Today, we are gonna talk specifically about the action of our heart, all right? The action of it, like the engagement, the things that it does. Next Sunday, in part two of the series, we're gonna talk about the attitude of the heart. And I intentionally put them in order. You'll better understand that today, but you'll most understand that next Sunday. And you do not wanna hear next Sunday's message without having heard this one, and you don't wanna miss next Sunday. I'm just like, you should... You should be here, amen. And then in part number three, we're gonna talk about hearts that forgive. And this is a big old animal right here that we're gonna tackle and talk about because this is a, this is a big one that'll, that'll touch us all, amen, regardless of your story. In part four, we're gonna talk about hearts that trust. In part number five, we're gonna talk about hearts that are for the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about the kingdom all the time. In fact, I would suggest that perhaps that was the most focused thing of Jesus's ministry. There's a kingdom of the world and then there's the kingdom of God and Jesus was constantly perpetuating that kingdom and we at Church on the Rock are participants of the kingdom of God. So like we're a church in the church. Does that make sense? Like within the church, we're a church. And we get to participate in the kingdom's work. And then we're gonna close this series out at part number six. And we're gonna talk about hearts for God's house. So in the big kingdom, there are houses. There are, there are ecclesias, like us. All right, like that's you and me. So God has called this church to some things. And if you're a part of this church, you would be called by God to do those things. We're gonna talk about that specifically. And that message, by the way, will be on February 11th, Super Bowl Sunday. I'm gonna pump vision to you about where we're going this year as a church. And I know the Super Bowl matters and all that, okay? I get it, I'm a huge football fan, especially of the NFL. But don't miss church. That, that, that day should be marked for two reasons for you. Yay, Super Bowl, go Ravens and all that, right? It's my prediction, it's my prediction, whatever. <laughs> anyway, don't worry about the Dolphins. We'll tell <laughs> I'm ready to go. Talk about that later. Um, but God is calling us somewhere. God is calling us to do things, and it will take all of us to do it. Yeah? 
All right, so you want to be there. Let's get into today's message, if you're ready. I'm going to read to you from my Bible. We're going to Matthew chapter 6. What we're going to do is we are going to look at a portion of a message from Jesus known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus stood in front of a group of people, and he preached for, it must have taken a long time, and he talked about a lot of stuff I mean, he is just hitting like every subject under the sun, it would seem to me. And I'm just like, man, there's like 86 sermon series inside of his one message. I don't know how he did it, but it was just probably for those people, it was probably like drinking from a fire hydrant. Like it was coming fast, get what you can get. There's no way you'll catch it all. But we're going to just pull out some of those things over the course of this series. We're going to look at what, what Jesus is trying to say to his church that we get to participate in, Yeah. So uh, buckle up, I'm going to read 18 verses. We're going to read the Bible this morning, y'all ready? I'm going to read 18 verses of Scripture this morning. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read through verses 18. Um, It will be on the screen behind me, and I have noticed, for whatever reason, that that the New Living Translation online and the New Living Translation in my hand are, have slight variances, so I may have a little bit different wording in certain things than you, okay? All right, here we go, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, and here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, starts out right there, watch out, watch out. Remember, we're talking about guarding our hearts above all things, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, because then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2, but when you give, and I just want you to notice the action statement, when you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I assure you they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone, don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in secret, and your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. Verse 5, and now about prayer. When you pray, and I just want you to notice the assumption being made by Christ Jesus to people following Jesus that when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. That's a powerful sentence. Your father who knows all secrets. Mm, I cringe a little. Okay. Then verse seven, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered, only repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And then he says, pray like this. Then we get what we know as the Lord's prayer. Our father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us food for today and forgive us our sins, just as if we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we're about to lift some heavy weight right here, these next two verses. Prepare yourself, brace up, here we go. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Verse 15, heaviest one so far. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's huge and weighty. We're going there in a couple of weeks. Okay? Verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you, 
That is the only reward they will ever get. Verse 17, but when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Uh, Then no one will suspect that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in secret. And your father who knows all secrets will reward you. Okay, that's a lot. That's a lot. Now, Jesus had already been preaching, and then he just keeps right on preaching. He goes into a whole other topic and all kind of crazy stuff. I mean, he's a better preacher than me, so, like, thumbs up to him. But, man, for us, like, that's a lot of content to try to unpack. But today what I want to do is I want to I focus on something that I think Jesus does here that's very important, and that is this, that Jesus, while teaching people following him, makes some statements that are very matter-of-fact. I want you to notice that Jesus did not say, if you pray, but when you pray. And if you give, rather he said, when you give. He didn't say, if you fast, but when you fast, as if to assume that followers of Jesus do these things. It's very definite and it's very matter of fact. It's kind of like when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. It was very definitive. It wasn't a way, hey, there's options, consider this. Jesus was pretty forward about who he is, amen? And he's doing the same thing here. And so today, I wanna talk about about the action of our heart because action matters. What we do, it actually matters. And here's why, it's just a thought for you, that I think attitude often follows action. I'm going to paint some examples and you're going to go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times have you walked out of the gym and you thought to yourself, I did not want to get out of bed this morning. I was not digging it. I was not feeling it and I almost skipped. But now that I've been there, I'm so glad I went. That happens. I know that sometimes getting up on time and getting through traffic, and getting dressed, and all that kind of stuff, and going to the job, that you might not love it, you might not be the best, but when your light bill comes due, you think to yourself, whew, I'm sure glad I went, because sometimes the attitude follows the action. I'm gonna preach a minute. Because some of us have these troubled marriages, and instead of getting action right, we're waiting on the attitude to get right, and this is why there's trouble in the home. Can I preach? So instead of living the way God has called me to live as a husband toward my wife, I'm being stubborn and standing back waiting on her to have an attitude change so that I'll feel better about doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing no matter how I feel, like giving her honor or, or, or doing simple, like, so, so, so let me give you some tips, okay? And the tip is this, the tip is this, that instead of, instead of saying, like, I'll do nice things for him when he starts treating me a little better, I would suggest just do some things for him anyway. Put the action in order because the attitude tends to follow that. So just open the door for her when you leave today. Just do it. I, I know that you're frustrated, but just go to the passenger side and just open the door. Come on, men. It's up to us, by the way, to let chivalry live. Come on, man. Like, heck with popular stuff. Like, let's, let's be real men. And open that door and put her in there and close it, right? And then just start putting some action into the relationship and watch what happens to the attitude. Because the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. And there's just a magical thing that starts to take place when we say, I'm gonna love you because I'm called to it. 
And I'll be selfless because that's what God expects of me, and I'll do it for you anyway. And all of a sudden, your attitude, if nothing else, will begin to change toward her or him. Amen, okay? So what I want to talk about is the action of our hearts because God calls us to do. There are actionable things. And so there are things that Jesus seems to make the assumption that you and me, as followers of Jesus, we would just do them, like prayer. And so I would love to just talk about prayer for a second. And I would love you, you to ask some very personal questions to yourself. And here, here they are, just a couple, just a couple. There's not some exhaustive, exclusive list. It's just a couple of things to get you thinking about prayer, which is something that Jesus seems to assume you and I would do when we follow him. And I would just ask these couple of questions like, how often do I pray? How often do I pray? Because I'll readily admit that sometimes the answer for me is not enough. Sometimes I strategize more than I pray. I'll plan more than I pray. And then what that tells me is I trust me more than God. That's a heart problem. And that has to be checked. Then I might ask myself the question like, well, what do I pray about? Because if all I ever seem to pray about is me, my needs, my scenario, my world, my circumstance, my kids, my work, my money, that might be an indication of a heart issue. Because God's called us to be selfless. And it's, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray about yourself, your money, your job, your, all that, all, you hear me? All that's good stuff. But, it, but like, how much of what? Because like, I love protein and I love, I love meat, but vegetables are good. And a balanced diet is a good thing and the same should be true in my life of prayer. Which, by the way, this is why we have seasons of prayer in our church. This is why we host prayer services daily in these seasons because sometimes people, they just need like a kickstart. There are a lot of people, remember the disciples, they came up to Jesus and they said, hey, teach us to pray. That's an interesting thing coming from some Jewish boys. They probably really understood how prayer works, but what they wanted to know was like, how, how do you pray like that? And so what we do is we just put together prayer services to give people the opportunity to gather together and pray. And for some people, it's like, man, I just got to get back in this. I am a prayer warrior. I'm just out of practice and I need to get a rhythm back. For other people, it's like, I have no idea how to pray. I would like to just get in the atmosphere and just be like, hmm, interesting. And just watch. I'm a kid that grew up on a church pew. And there were times that I was bored to death in church, but there were value in that. I was learning things and seeing things and experience. It was good for my soul. You with me? And so sometimes some of us just need to get in the atmosphere. We need to get coached. We need to take, we provide tools and resources like prayer guides where it's like, well, I don't really know how to pray. Well, there's all kinds of guides and examples of how you can pray, have a prayer life, chart those prayers, check on those things. It's all in here and we just, they're yours. They're free. So we just give them away. My point is, The followers of Jesus, according to Jesus, they pray. So are we praying and what are we praying for? Here's another one. This is a little bit painful one. But Jesus seems to make the assumption that followers of Jesus fast, which is tough. That's, that's, That's a little bit of a weird one, to be honest, because it's an interesting thing to say, hey, I expect you to not do what your body needs for survival. That's kind of, right? That's almost oxymoronic. But there's a real power in fasting. And fasting has this incredible way of telling my body that my spirit is in charge, not my body. Because let me tell you something, you let your body rule and you'll be in trouble. You'll just be in trouble. Society is proving it all around us. And there need to be people that stand firm enough to say that I will make sure that that my heart 
that me that's way on the inside is aligned with the Father and that it makes the decisions and it drives. So when I choose not to eat, I have chosen to say I will willingly put my flesh in a sacrificial place and I will replace that mealtime with spiritual nutrition. So, so I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to give you an invitation, okay? And I, I want to remind you of something really quickly. And here's what I want to remind you of. I am not the Holy Spirit. Let's be clear. I am not the Holy Spirit, but I am a pastor, and for most of you, your pastor, okay? So, so I will speak to you as a pastor, not as the Holy Spirit. You got it? So you have to hear from him on this one, but I'm gonna just give you an invitation that our prayer services are happening. They're happening Monday through Saturday nights from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. They're one hour, and we intentionally stuck it in that time window because we have chosen, myself and our staff, we have chosen we're fasting dinner, 21 days. You're invited to consider that. Now the Holy Spirit is inside of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you let him speak. So I didn't just tell you what to fast, I just invited you, hey, join us. So we, we intentionally stuck prayer time at dinner time, on purpose. Because we are going to not eat and put our flesh on a sacrificial place, and during that time, we will nourish our spirits. You with me? That's what fasting is. Because if you just go hungry and you don't replace a spiritual like sort, you're just, you're just starving. That's not very smart. You, okay, all right, so here's some questions. Here's some questions, this is a big one, because you get into subjects like these and people get really like touchy, like fasting, I ain't fasting, I have my meat and my potatoes and blah, blah, whatever, cool man, whatever. <laughs> but are you a follower of Jesus? Well, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, all right then, Jesus seems to assume that you would do this. And here's the questions maybe that you could ask, is like, am I willing to fast? And then what's God calling me to give up? I have some things I say around fasting. Okay, and here they are. You ready? I think you should offer God your very best. And I think if it doesn't hurt, it isn't your best. Jeremy said it. He was right over here and he was leading us in worship. And, and we were transitioning, I think, maybe from song. Maybe we were, I don't know, we were in a song. And he said that he's excited about this season of 20, 21 days of prayer and fasting, even though he's not excited about fasting. Now, here's, here I'm gonna delineate that comment because I agree with it wholeheartedly. Because my body is like, you are dumb, okay? The Dolphins play the most important game of their season tonight, and you're not going to eat anything, no wings, no snacks, no cheese dip, no. Now, it's going to be frustrating, okay? But I'm not doing it. Why? Why? Because I've, I've chosen to make separation. Because It's going to hurt a little, but I want to make sure that my spirit is reminded, you decide, you drive, not my flesh, not my body, not my mind, not my circumstances, not my scenarios. Are you with me, everybody? It's a good question to ask. How is, is, am I willing to, and then what am I going to give up? I just encourage you, give God your best. And can I just tell you, if you chose, if you just chose to say, okay, that sounds good. I didn't know what to do. I'm fasting dinner for 21 days. I promise you will not die. I promise. You'll, you'll make it. You'll make it. And then this other thing that Jesus seems to make this assumption that followers of his do is give, which I, which I love. And I would, here's some questions. Do I give? Do I? Because a lot of you would answer the question like this. No. No, I don't. And, and then the next question I would ask, because it's going to get into your business, is what do I spend money on? And here's why I asked that question. We just read 
Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And next, we're going to read verses 19, 20, and 21. Here's, here's what Jesus says, very next statement. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Watch this now because we're talking about a heart check in this series. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that is a heavy statement, man. And so the, answering the question, what do I spend my money on, is an indicator of where your heart is. It will tell you something. It's a good heart check. Are you with me? I, I knew it would be quiet, but I'm, we're going to grow today no matter how many people come back next week. All right? And, here, and here's the thing. I can't understand it. But God connects those two very, very closely. What we do with our possessions and resources and money and how that lives in balance with him. And we will get deeper and deeper into this subject right here all throughout our year. You just be ready for it, okay? Because we are gonna look at the reality that true disciples will measure these things as they follow Christ Jesus in their walk with him. And there are times that we are withholding from God what is his, and that will always challenge us. Amen, I feel like you are ready to move on. Let's do it. All right. So here, here's where the real pastoral part is coming, okay, is that I think, I don't know, let me just, I'm gonna think out loud. That's a little bit dangerous, but I'm an external processor and I've been kind of praying about all this. And so I just, here we go. I think all the time, I, I, all the time, I think about church, church life, I think about you, I think about me, I think about people, I think about people that are in other churches, I think about people that are in our church, I, I, just, I'll, I just, all the time, all the time. And I don't know, it's different for me than it is for you because like, I'm a professional Christian, think about it. I get paid, I get paid for it. You might not get paid for it, but I do. And so I probably am more consumed with the, like the thought and the life of church than you are because you, you, you'll roll in here and we'll have our gathering together and then all of a sudden it's like you go out and it's like real world, right? It's, you're out there and it's, you're an accountant all week, not, not, a, not a life group developer. You know what I'm saying? You're whatever. So you, you do your thing. And so I just, I'm, I'm constantly thinking like, man, like what, what's the best and most appropriate way to engage people in the church and so here's, here's the pastoral side because I, I wanna make some statements here that like we don't do all this stuff because we think it's cool or because we like planning events or because we think we can do it better than the other church did it. Like there has nothing to do with the reasons behind we do the things that we do. We do the things that we do as a church because God calls us to do them. So, so, so I, I wanna encourage you, okay? I wanna encourage you on how we as a church, here at Church on the Rock, can really focus, the action of our heart can be pointed toward gathering together, okay? And in this season, right now, we're in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you have the, you have the option and the decision to make, will I gather with my church? Will I join my church? Will I get into the game with my church? And will I be one that gathers and does? This is a question you get to answer, okay? 
It's like, man, that's a lot, you know, or whatever. But the Bible says in Colossians 4, 2, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And be watchful. We just heard that's how we started today. Watch out. Be watchful. Do it with thanksgiving. And so why, why on earth would you pray like that? Like 20, I mean, people look at us sometimes like we're crazy. Like I, I have friends that pastor churches, and they're like, like, so what does 21 days of prayer look like for you guys? Like, oh, yeah, well, we, we host this service, blah, blah, blah. And they, I, I promise this happened more times than I can tell you. They're like, every day? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. Every day? Well, yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a lot. Because we have to coordinate it and schedule it, and we got to get speakers and worship involved and prayer, and there's prayer cards, and there's all, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm just telling you, we're not doing it because we think it's the neatest thing. We're doing it because the Bible calls this church to prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. We're also doing it because we're trying to disciple people, and there's some people that don't know how to pray. In the same way we saw the very disciples of Jesus say, teach me to pray, we just thought, well, how can we teach people to pray? So we create environments in which you can gather together, and we can deepen our prayer lives, because we can plan, and that's all good, but the Bible says there's a way in the heart of man that seems right, but it ends in death, or we can pray and be led by the Spirit of the living God who will always take us to life and flourishment, amen. And so we just do things like pray. So the question is, would you join us for prayer? We're just, we're gonna pray, and I would love for you to join us, and I get it, I know. Some of you are like, it doesn't work on my schedule, but kids, softball, whatever it might get, like, dude, it's, I get it, I hear you. But they're available online, you can stream them live, they archive every day so you can watch the playbacks. Like, I, I would encourage you, take that prayer hour that your church does, and put action in your heart, and choose that for 21 days, I'll participate in that hour, regardless of where that hour lives. You can do it. I promise you can do it. Another way that we gather together, and this might surprise you, but we gather together on Sunday mornings. It's crazy. We do this thing. We call it church. And you're here. So, I'm, so it's like anytime, anytime this subject sort of comes up and I start talking about like church and being in church and gathering, blah, blah, blah. It's like every time there's a voice in the back of my head like, bro, you're preaching to the choir. They're here. And I'm like, no, I know. That they're here. But, but here's the thing. I've been, I've been doing some research, and I've been looking at some stats. And the stats are, like, getting sad to me on what regular church attendance is even considered to be, even by pastors. I mean, I read a study just the other day that some pastors say if a person shows up to their church gathering once monthly, they consider them a regular attender. I'm like, I grew up where if you weren't in church eight days a week, like you might, like fire from hell will singe your leg hairs. Get in that house, right? And I'm being a little facetious, but it's like, man, we've pivoted a little bit. And then there's an increasing reality. Stats would show me that 25% of our church, 25%, that's one quarter, and I'm not really a math guy, don't show up anymore. They stay home. And they stream it online. And here's, calm down. Here we go. I understand like that technology is real. Screens are not going away. It is very much a part of our life. This is why we buy cameras. And this is why we have staff that help us do this stuff. And this is why we, we put this stuff online. And again, we're not doing it because we just think it's neat. We're doing it because we understand it reaches. And we're called by God to reach people at Church on the Rock. And so we do what reaches but I, want it, but I want to challenge. I want to challenge you. And I, and I am going to look into the camera, 
And I'm going to challenge you, and and I'm going to say this, that there are times that it's convenient because you're not feeling well. And there are times that you're on vacation, and it's cool. There are times that just something came up, and you just couldn't be, like, I get it, it's all good. And some of you, by the way, I'm going to just let a bunch of you off the hook. You don't even live in our city. Okay, I get it, it's cool, whatever. But then there's a margin of you, and according to the stats I read, would be 25% of you, you just choose to stay home because it's easier. It's more convenient. And I get it, I get it. You know, the pajamas and the couch are a lot different than makeup and the 25-minute drive and all. I, I get all that. But as your pastor, I'm just saying, like, God's called us to gather together on the first day of the week as a people to exalt his name and make much of him and to grow in his word and to build relationships. And it's my challenge to you in 2024 that just maybe it's time for you to come back to God's house. We miss you. And the fact of the matter is, quite frankly, maybe it's selfish, but we are less without you. We need you. I need you here because I don't have the fulfillment of the body that God has called me to lead if you don't participate. And I can be so bold to say that because it's not my opinion. I just want to take you to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. We just do Bible stuff. And the Bible says this, let us not neglect what? Our meeting together. As some people do, the NIV says, as some people are in the habit of doing. And, and look, post-COVID reality, there are a lot of people that's like, it's just the new habit. And I would just encourage you, as the Bible says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I know it seems sketchy, and you know, it's like I'm, the older people get, they think like the, the rapture's tomorrow. I've learned that, and I'm a grandparent now, so it's coming, everybody. <laughs> Look out! And Jesus is returning, so <laughs> he is coming back. He is. And gathering together as a church, it, it, it's a very, very important part of what we do. We also gather together. So, so we gather ourselves together with intention, and we also do it around what we call life groups, which are small groups or cell groups or uh, I don't know what you call them in your other church, but that, okay, we do it here. And again, we're not doing it because we think it's neat and we think it's cool. And like, We do it because the Bible teaches that this is what followers of Jesus do. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, like the earliest church that would represent the kind of church that you and I are, the Bible says that this, they devoted themselves, just the action of their heart. Every verse I've read to you has verbs associated to movement and to doing. And the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. I feel like that verse just encompasses all the gathering things I just talked about. Prayer, Sunday morning services and messages, life groups and topics, and getting into God's word, and doing like, doing like, yeah, but what, like from your experience, like what does that say to you? And listening to someone teach it like, oh man, I've never thought about it like that, oh my gosh. Or then when someone's world hits the total fan and it's just a total mess, they know that they got people that are like, let's pray right now. Call me in the morning because I need to know how you are. Do you understand? You got me? I got you. Okay, cool, blah, blah, blah. Or when someone has a, a grandbaby, you can be like, this is awesome, woo, and you just throw confetti. The point is that we need each other, and we need each other in every single season of our lives. And the Bible is clear about the church getting together. Amen. Amen. We also do other things like serving others, okay? And I tried to compile this one a little tighter because I knew by now we'd be pushing against the clock, and we are. So we do things here like serve team and outreach because we're called by God to make a difference in the lives of other people. We're called by God to do things 
for God. First Peter 4.10, the Bible says, each of you, and I love these words, I really do, should use, you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so as we wrap up today, to which all of our guests are like, whew, that's good news. All right, as we wrap up today, <laughs> I want to encourage you, if I am your pastor, I want to encourage you as such to consider in 2024 how you can participate in the move of God here. And for some of you, it's like, man, I got to get, I got to get back to coming to the house of God and worshiping with the people of God. And for others of you, it's like, I've, I've got go, to go deeper than just the general connection, and I've got to get some more specific connection. I need to build some friendships within the church. For others of you, it might be, you know what, enough's enough. I've got I, I to serve. I'm called by God to make a difference, and I just need to serve. And there's a lot of things that go on around here, and there's like 30-something teams, I don't know, and hundreds of you that involve yourselves in reaching other people. But there are some of you that, that do it a lot, and you do it probably a lot more than you should because your brother and your sister have some weight to hold for you. And so maybe that's your season. Others of you, it might just be doing an outreach and serving somebody in the community or taking a missions trip, which we're working on, and maybe that's a little early, but be here on February 11th. Um, and maybe God's calling you to just engage in the church to have a heart that is full of action because the attitude will follow that. And next Sunday, okay, they're so linked up. We're gonna talk a little bit about the attitude of the heart and I'm gonna talk about the, the potential oxymoronic conflict between fasting and praying quietly and having public fasting and prayer. We're gonna go there. So if you're like, hey, the whole time you've been lying to me, like, come back, I'm gonna, we're gonna unpack that, okay? But as we close, as we close, for the second time, just kidding. I wanna take you to my final verse of the day. And we're gonna to respond to the gospel. So what we're about to do, okay, we're, here's what is about to happen. Is we're about to all stand back up together and all the lights are gonna come down again and get like abruptly dark. That's an issue in this room that we can't, us or the school can't fix currently. So it's gonna get very, very dark in here and our team is gonna to begin to lead us in song and in worship. I'm gonna invite some people to pray a prayer with me this morning because I believe life change is a reality on January 7th, 2024 for some of you. Some of you are gonna make your way down toward the front and you're just gonna, you just wanna get, kind of get the altar, a lot of churches would call it, and you're gonna make your way down to the front because the altar is the place the sacrifices are made. And some of you may need to walk down there and figuratively lay something in the altar of God and say, God, I need to be less selfish. God, I need to be more generous. God, I, I need to, whatever, it's, you fill in the blank, right? Whatever it is. And you'll come down and you'll just be before the Lord and it'll just be you and him and you'll serve. Maybe you grab somebody from your life group or the neighbor that invited you to church today and you're like, will you go down there and pray with me? And that's the man, we love it. Do that, do that. That's what we want. And then up these stairs, the door is gonna open because sometimes people, they just need prayer with other people. They're like, man, I don't, I don't know what to even say or I'm new to church or I'm not like, real gifted. I just want somebody to pray with me. Or maybe you're a warrior, man. Like, you know scripture and you know how to pray, but it's like, I just, I need somebody to agree with me. 
And so you have the opportunity. We'll have prayer partners in a little like room we sort of created right there. And you can just walk up there and pray with them. We'd love for you to do that. But here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do is put action in your heart. And what's the action that needs to be taken by you today? Some of that action may start in this service and you're gonna respond to the gospel in this moment. And then for some of you, it's like a next step. And the action has to be taken when you walk out of here. Because you had written off fasting, but Jesus said, but that's what you do when you follow me. And you've been stingy with what is God's, but you said, you know what? That's what I do when I follow Jesus. Or maybe your prayer life is just dormant and it's time to initiate a wake up and say, I've gotta have a time and a place that I get before the Lord. I'll join my family each night of the week, whatever. We're gonna respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is what transforms our lives, amen. So would you stand with me all across this room as we get prepared to respond? There's a promise that we make here at Church on the Rock. We do a thing, we call it all access. You're about to hear more about that from my amazing wife. Uh, but it's, it's like a one hour little class and, and it's happening today. If you wanna get to know me a little more, just go to the all access room, it's that way. And uh, I'd love to talk with you, meet you. But we have, we have this uh, class and we just talk about like who we are and what we do and how we do it and why we do it that way. And that's kind of the big idea. And it helps people make a decision. Like, is this my church or should I keep shopping? And we'll tell you in there, like there's so many great churches in our community, so many. We think we're one of them, but there's just so many, man. There's, if you don't have a good church, I just, you're not looking hard enough and we'll help you, by the way. We'll help you find one even if it's not this one. That's, that's, just, that's one of the promises. And here's another promise that we make in, in Connect Class is this. We say that at the end of every single service, every single time, no matter the topic, no matter the communicator, no matter what, we will always give people an opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus every single time. That happens 52 Sundays a year at Church on the Rock. And so maybe that's you. I don't know what got you here this morning, but you're here and the power and the presence of the living God is doing something in your heart. I'm gonna invite you to put action in it. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I would just ask the question, is that you? And if you say, yep, then I would love to invite you to repeat a prayer after me. And here's the cool part. Everybody around you is gonna say it too. And here's why, is because we want you to be able to say this prayer with confidence and with boldness. So this is our way to support you in your moment. And then your next step will be baptism, and that's when you can like, do it alone. And we'll celebrate that with you too. But here's our prayer. I want you to say these words. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Would you put your hands together and congratulate those that said that prayer? Congratulations. Congratulations.